Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. So we want to thank HEV for making today's podcast possible. HEV makes it a priority to get involved and make a difference in the lives of friends and neighbors. HEB Operation Appreciation is a company-wide campaign created to honor the brave men and women of the U.S. Armed Forces, men and women who are HEB partners and customers, friends, and family. Operation Appreciation partners with organizations like us, the Military Child Education Coalition that supports U.S. troops and their families. In contributing time, talent, and financial support, HEB recognizes and appreciates the dedication and sacrifices service members make on behalf of the nation. So for our listeners in Texas, check out one of your neighborhood HEB grocery stores. And HEB, thank you for sponsoring this podcast for the sake of the child. Welcome everyone to our podcast for the sake of the child. Today you're going to hear an interview between Deborah Longley, our MSEC student programs manager, and one of her former student Hesselbein students and one of her S2S presidents from years ago. And so really I consider this an extraordinary military kid alumnus who's now in college, an entrepreneur, and absolutely amazing. So I can't wait for you to listen to this interview between Deborah and Sherrod. I have here with me Sherrod Farmer. I first met him, was it in the spring of 2015 or did we meet at NTS? I think we met at NTS first and okay. then we met in Francis Hasselbein. So it would have been, so, so this is Sherrod Farmer and I first met him at the National Training Seminar in Washington, D.C. in the summer of 2014. And then I got to know Sherrod at um, our Francis Hasselbein Student Leadership Program in the spring of 2015. And we will talk more about each of those programs as we go through our interview and podcast. But Sherrod, I'd like you to tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, hello everyone. My name is Sherrod Farmer. Uh, currently right now, I'm a fourth year student at the University of Florida studying visual arts studies and graphic design. And also I serve as the founder and CEO of a company that I started at UF called Bookmark. Bookmark is an online marketplace for college students to buy and sell their textbooks and other educational material to other students on their respective campuses. Due to the pandemic, we're currently not uh, active right now, but as soon as the pandemic begins to subside, we're trying to have this resource be available for students because for myself, I am currently a first generation student. So I know and understand like the struggles that it comes with being a first generation student, along with the fact that I'm also on a scholarship and the fact that I don't have um, added income that comes with being just on a scholarship. I have to learn how to make do with the resources that are provided for me. So I understand that there's a lot of students who may not even be as fortunate as me having a scholarship that would have to work for their education and are definitely wanting to have a resource like this be available for them. Sure, tell me a little bit how you got started and doing bookmark. So initially, like I said, um, being a first generation student, I was just always curious of having ways to save money and I, no one really taught me about how like college even really works. 
but I did find out that there's a lot of like uh, groups on Facebook that had like resources being like sold, like if you needed textbooks or uh, smoking notes, what do you call it? Basically like uh, class aids. And a lot of students didn't like using it because of the fact that it wasn't as organized that they would be posting like things like, oh, I have an apartment available when I'm looking for like textbooks. So I wanted to make it a little bit more accessible because I saw the potential in it that it would definitely help a lot of people be able to save monies on books because I know for myself, especially when I was first in the business school, I spent around like hundreds of dollars just on my textbooks. And a lot of them I didn't even really use. And a lot of them I actually had to like borrow from my mentors who were also happened to be a business major. So I was fortunate for that. But being the fact that I know that a lot of students aren't able to have that luxury, that a lot of them have to pay full price or utilize whatever like, in a sense like sketchy websites to find textbooks at a very cheaper cost. And it's just very nerve wracking, especially when you're trying to determine whether you want to spend this for a book or potentially for a meal for the week. And I just know that like, that shouldn't even be the case when you're trying to have further education and just be focusing on developing who you are as a person, along with just making sure that you excel academically. So what excites you most about working with the bookmark? What excites me most is the fact that I know that the team that I was able to like put together is actually like they resonate, all of them resonate with the struggle. And as soon as I told them about the idea, they, none of them were like, well, I want this in return. All of them jumped ship and was just saying, I can help in any way that I can. And so far, none of us have been paid for it. And it just makes me very like proud to just be someone who's the leader of it, to see that all of us have been able to come together and just do it for the simple fact of helping others rather than trying to just make a very profitable business. So Sherrod, I know that you've helped others a lot. So do you have partners who work alongside with you besides these students? Do you have corporate partners or do you have mentors within the school that help you and then the university? So that's one of the things that we're um, actually planning on trying to do right now because of, due to the pandemic that it's very hard for um, students to obviously be on campus right now. So we wanted to try to partner with universities to potentially have a way that, because a lot of them go to just a, simply the bookstore and the fact that you don't want to have too many people crowded in one area, especially due to the pandemic. I was, an idea that we thought of was having uh, drop-off points, basically with all the different locations that are on the big mm -hmm. campuses, having students to be able to like, just simply pick up their book from that location, rather than having to just like meet up with a student, the student can drop it off and then go about their day instead of having that. But obviously that's still in the works right now. But eventually, we definitely want to have um, all the universities definitely included in our uh, business because we think that it would be stronger for that, along with having other people who are in the education tech industry in general be able to be uh, shared partners as well. Because we're not trying to just capture the market entirely. We want to just be able to make sure that we have a very strong uh, business that is just actually helping people. So you mentioned that you were a first-generation college student. Tell me a little bit more about what inspired you to go to college. So a lot of people, um, especially within my high school, were very uh, talking about it amongst themselves, like all my friends and everything. And I honestly didn't know whether I was going to or not. I just knew that like it would be beneficial because I know that there's been very successful people who have come out of college. And I was began talking to my guidance counselor who came with me to NTS along with uh, helping me get uh, my application for Francis Hasselbein. And he was just giving me uh, information from going on college tours to like FSU and things like that. And just helping me with the application process because he said that ultimately it's just beneficial for you to go because not just for like the academics, but just to overall 
this experience being on your own and learning how you operate as a person. And I got even more motivated because I also applied it to Duke University. I didn't get in, unfortunately, but the individual that I talked to that was a part of like the admissions and like recruiting just talking to me, he said, it doesn't matter where you go. It matters what you do when you get there. And that really stuck with me because of the fact that I didn't really care what school I went to as long as that when I got there, that I was actually doing something of use to people. So not only did I want to just like join the clubs, but I also wanted to like start something and have it after I finished college. So tell me a little bit about what you've learned from your college experience. One of the things I learned from my college experience is definitely having people around you is very important. Do not always try to be like alone and do everything by yourself because I'm always like the individual that would just like, I can, if I want it done right, I'll just do it myself. And I've come to learn that like, it's not how it is in like high school where you can just be in so many different clubs and do academics and have a job. You have to like really prioritize the things that you actually care about because if you don't love what you do, it's going to like mentally and physically drain you. Because I was like so stressed out that I even had to take a semester off. because so I spread myself so thin. And I, I'm still learning to do that right now, but I definitely think that making sure that you can learn to let things go and basically learn like what you actually prioritize in your life and just focus on those things. Tell me a little bit about what has surprised you about being a first-generation college student and what you've learned from it. So what really surprised me was the fact that a lot of the people that I actually met were also first-generation college students because of the scholarship that I was a part of is called MFOS, which is the Mac and Florida Opportunity Scholars. And it usually gets a lot of uh, first-generation students. So when I was able to talk to them, a lot of them, I didn't feel like I was alone. Because I know that for me, like, especially just being from a military family, it was very hard for me to even like establish relationships or even have people that get me because of the fact that the ones that do get me are usually the ones I can't talk to because they're they already left. So the fact that I was able to have myself a part of a community that understood the struggles of being first generation, all the stress and like the fact that you're, especially when you have siblings, that it's like you want to set a good example for them and not quit because of the fact that if you do quit, it could potentially make them seem as if they don't want to go. And mm -hmm. even though that's necessarily your, like, it should not fall on you, that mm -hmm. is, you think about it all the time in the back of your head. So I always wanted to just make sure that when I'm talking to them, that the things that I've learned, I wanted to make sure they just realize that, hey, you're not alone. You shouldn't put all that stress on yourself. Just figure out who you want to be as a person and just join the things that you actually want to major in. Because having a major, especially, that you don't like or that you don't love or you don't foresee yourself doing for a long time can be very taxing on the person. Because I originally started as like an engineering major because I just wanted to do it because I know that like some members of my family were engineers and I know like some people that I know that were very successful were business majors. So I just like started on that route and realized that's not what I love. And just the fact that I could just do something that I actually care about opened so many doors for me. You had told me in our conversation earlier that it was college was more about the more than just the academics. Tell me about how you came to discover that and what different organizations you've been a part of. Awesome, yeah. So when I first got to UF, I joined an organization called LDI. It's called the Leadership Development Institute, and it's a usually uh, first years come into it, and it's through the uh, Black Student Union to encourage a lot of especially minority students who are on a campus that's not predominantly of uh, the same group to be able to uh, be connected with others that are like, like them and also build leadership skills along with being connected to other potential resources to excel throughout the entire time while you're at UF. And that one really 
jumpstarted my entire college career because of the fact that I was, I got a mentor who was already like a year ahead of me. And I was just able to figure out a lot of things early on that I was able to pass on to other people. And on the next thing that was pretty much like where I felt like I found out who I truly was as an individual was when I joined um, Porta Blue Key um, for planning the uh, Gator Growl event that's at UF because of the fact that I was in a BSU meeting and I noticed that a lot of individuals were upset of the fact of who were the performance acts that were being chosen that were not as inclusive for everyone, that they weren't taking into account the entire student population and just focusing on a tiny group. And there was a, a girl there that said, well, I'm a part of Gator Grout, and she was also a minority student. And she said that what would benefit from it as like a call to action is if you guys join and be able to have your voices heard in the meetings because of the fact that I'm, only, I'm usually the only one and usually they won't listen to me if it's just me. And I, I was like, well, if she just provided a solution to help, I'll at least hear her out and do it. So I applied as an assistant director of barbecue for Gator Grout and I got in and I was able to help get Snoop Dogg, even though that some people were still complaining, but you can't please everybody. But <laughs> the fact that I was able to go in there and still make a change because of the fact I let my voice be heard and listen to someone who actually had a solution just made me realize who I am as a person that action does matter. So like, if you really wanna change something, make an action, don't just like say something. So I, that's the type of person I've been come to be, which is why like, if I said, oh, there's a lot of things going on with textbooks, college materials are so expensive. Okay, start a company, has a whole bunch of group of people here that want, are committed to making that happen, and we're gonna make that happen. I love that you said, don't just talk about it, do something about it, be the change agent. What keeps you motivated to do things, to make that, the change? That's a really good question because the fact that I, when I first started uh, being like CEO and founder, honestly, I had not as many, as much experience with it. And I just like, there were some times where I thought about like quitting and just like, it, cause it was so much, like I was working two other jobs. I was still doing college and like I was using most of my own money to be able to pay for a lot of the materials that were needed for a bookmark because we haven't gotten investors yet. But there's various points in my life. There were just individuals when I would tell them my idea that were my friends, they were like, you have a good idea. And I just needed motivation for myself and to realize that like, this is not just about me. This is something that's way bigger than me and has a lot of potential to help like potentially millions of people, not even just like domestically, but internationally. Cause I know that this is not just a problem that happens in the United States. It's a problem. Mm -hmm. The fact that a lot of people who are essentially trying to figure out who they are as an individual are being taken advantage of by having to pay like 20, 30, potentially even $80,000 a year just to learn is just mind boggling to me. I know that obviously you can pay for your education, but you can pay it in a smart way. All the costs that are associated can definitely be expedited or definitely just reduced significantly to make it very more affordable for other people who want to have that experience. Because like I said, for me as a person who's on a scholarship, if I did not have like the scholarship for all four years, I honestly don't know what I would have done. So this is like constant motivation for me every day that I just know that I'm not the only one in this situation. Do you mentor other students? I have definitely been a part of uh, organizations that uh, served as a mentor to them. Not necessarily, I have like been mentors to my own friends who have been younger than me, along with just individuals that I see like in my respective organizations, like especially like BSU. Individuals who are just like not understanding something, I try to be as upfront about it and help them educate themselves on the issue. Or just like if they need a resource, I try to be as helpful with providing them. Along with, I um, 
joined a mentorship group that was helping a lot of AIM students, which are basically uh, students that have gone, basically they come from like either low socioeconomic backgrounds or they didn't do as well on their SAT or ACT or just like family income and things like that. They are usually put into um, this program to help have them resources. And I joined as a mentor for helping the incoming class and showing them the resources and giving tours around the campus, along with just talking about my experience as a college student and what I could have done differently or what I did that I thought was right and just passing the knowledge on to others. Do you have a story on how you've impacted somebody? I think this is, this is, this is like a mini story, but there was one in particular that I was saving because I wanted to talk about this one. This actually made me like almost cry because it was an individual that actually I knew from my high school, but he went to a different high school and he ended up going to UF uh, the same time as me. But he heard me speak uh, when I, I said it for an award uh, by the Panama City Beach, uh, it was like a certain like chamber of commerce or council. And I was talking about my life of being like raised by basically a single mom and how like my parents were divorced at such an early age. And then he came to UF as well. And he saw that I was joining some of the clubs and everything. And he was just like, hey, Sherrod, um, if you have a minute, can I like talk to you? And he was talking about how, like, how hard it was about being a college student and just the fact of coming from the same area, Panama City, Florida, and just seeing that like there weren't really that many of us there. And if there were, we weren't, there's definitely a, a, a gap because some of my friends who I was in high school with definitely were a little bit more, um, not necessarily doing better in life, but they had more opportunities, such as like their families were both in, in the house. They, uh, both of the family members were working and they really didn't have to worry about how to pay for college as much. So the fact that I was able to just like exist for him along with the words I was saying that like he's not the only one was very like, motivating for him to be able to still continue to finish college. I'm impressed with all that you've done um, in your short time there in Florida. So I want to talk a little bit about student to student and the impact it's had on you. Tell me about your beginnings of participating in student to student. Okay. Um, so when I first heard about um, S2S was from uh, the president, uh, uh, her name was Tasha. And she was just showing me around the school along with um, just talking about different resources. And she found out that I was a military uh, child. My mom was in the Navy and uh, she served about 10 years. And then she got out once we, uh, like I started, like a little bit after I started uh, high school. And um, she was just very, very nice. And I was just very like dumbfounded the fact that like there wasn't more of members of S2S because of the fact that this wasn't even just like for military kids, but just new students in general didn't really get more of an indoctrination into like how like life in college, I mean, high school is going to be. And I was like, well, where is like, where do you guys have meetings? And she told me like, oh, well, during lunch, we have like usually like a meeting I came by. I got, I love people who are there. And the fact that there were also other new students there, I was talking to them. And then I met um, my a guidance counselor who then became like my mentor and just my own guidance counselor, Mr. Tunic. And he was just like having me join. And he saw that, like, I guess that I had leadership potential because of the fact that when I first got into high school, I wasn't the type of person that liked to speak in front of people, nor did I like public speaking at all. I was a very shy kid. So he just like was able to, like, I guess, like bring it out of me because he saw that in me. So he got me involved and I worked my way up through like my sophomore year and junior year and became eventually the president of S2S where I wanted to like make very, very effective change because I know that especially a lot of students in the International Baccalaureate program had a different life than the kids who were just at Rutherford High School. So I wanted to make sure that they were like bridged together. So both all the members in the, the club that I was a part of had 
kids from IB along with just kids who weren't in IB. And they were just very, very like enthusiastic of the fact that like you were part of something that's like really big because of the fact that before, before I joined, we'd never been on like trips to like Washington DC. We never got to go to Colorado. And the fact that like I was able to help lead us into being like club of the year, my senior year, and just the fact of going to NTS to be able to be representative of Panama City because it's so small and it competes with a lot of other like cities that like obviously get way more recognition. So to see that someone so small was able to make such great change and make so many big strides was just like insane to me. And I wanted to make sure it continued after I left along with I bring that, that, same, that same drive and passion and resources with me into college. Was there a particular skill that you gained from S2S that's helped you in college? Yes, definitely being the one to be different because of the fact that a lot of kids uh, normally don't just get up and go sit to a kid, sit next to a kid that's like not talking or anything and ask and say hi. That takes a lot of like courage on your behalf as well. And I feel that the fact that I was just doing that like nonchalantly was very uh, out of character for myself initially. But then as I like got older and realized that having that type of characteristic is very beneficial not just for you, but for individuals and like all around the world because of the fact that you never know what a person is thinking in the back of their head. And the fact that you can just go over there and just say like, hey, what's up? And the fact that they, they don't even expect that sometimes. And the fact you catch them off guard and their fact is, oh, this person actually wants to get to know me. It's just, you'd be surprised at the amount of conversations I've had with people and what comes out of it is just like sometimes just like very beautiful. What do you wish you knew um, in high school that your older self knows now? If you could go back, what would you tell your younger self? If I had to go back, I would tell myself to be a sponge because of the fact that initially when I first, as I was very young, I wasn't as ready for change, even though because like my life was all about change, like my always having to move around and everything. So I kind of like grew a like almost like a negative feeling towards it. So if I, could, if I could tell myself, definitely be able to be like a sponge and just soak in as much as you can because of the fact that for me, listening to everyone and just talking to people, I've learned, I've been become so much wiser and just the fact that I've been able to see perspectives that normally other people haven't been able to see along with just, just seeing both actually two sides of perspectives and be able to find common grounds. And I feel like even just me being a CEO, I feel like that character trait is very useful and it's a necessity because of the fact that not only am I just working within like my team, I'm working with people that I'm trying to sell this to. And I want to hear from them and understand why, if I did something wrong, why from their perspective did that hurt them? Because of the fact that, you know, people all the time around the world just don't like really listen to each other. Or if you don't, if you do listen, you're not really like hearing what they're saying. You're just letting the words flow and just going in one ear and out the other. And I feel like being able to take the time and actually just, sit down and soak in everything is what I definitely would tell myself. I think everybody needs to know some new, know the art of listening. What tip would you have for somebody on the art of listening? The, the art of listening, I would just say that for me, someone who like currently now likes to talk and be heard mm-hmm. is just simply just imagine if you were like necessarily talking to yourself, but if someone, if you wanted someone to like listen to you, just be respectful. Like they have something to offer. If you care about that person, just recognize them as an equal, that your time is valuable, but what they have to say is also valuable, which is why you're dedicating the time to listen. 
if you don't think it's valuable, then obviously don't listen because then that's just how you feel. But from, if you actually want to truly be someone who that's not ignorant or who actually wants to excel as an individual, listening is obviously an essential part of it because they always said the cliche that you have two ears, two eyes and a mouth. Definitely you should be, it should be working in that ratio. People don't use it that way. It's just pretty funny to me because you'd be surprised that you close yourself off from so many different things. That's something that you thought was something that's so hard could actually be something that's so easy. That's right. So what advice would you give to other military students? Other military students, I would say that first of all, with your whatever parent, whoever is in uh, active duty, or if they were a veteran, or if they were retired, definitely talk to them and gather an understanding because of the fact that, especially like some of the stories I've talked to other friends of like their parents who are in a, like, a little bit uh, worse situation with parents who have like PTSD and things like that they need help. Like you want to be able to be there for them. And then if you love them, you'll listen and just realize that like no individual should have to endure what they have endured. So just the fact that you can at least start with that, you'd be surprised the common grounds that can come about it. Because at least from my mom, I've been able to hear some of the um, stories of how her being a military, being in the Navy and how some of the things were taxing on her being away from the family, along with just having to like send videos to me of like her reading me a bedtime story obviously made her like very, very sad because she would love to be there for me, but she knew that it was for a cause that was bigger than herself. So just the fact that if you can realize that for yourself, that when there's going to be a point in time where you are as an individual are going to have to do something that's bigger than yourself, you would hope that other people can understand that. So just invest in that early. Oh, I love that. I love that you um, can give that advice to military students. Sherrod, I want to thank you so much for your time today. This has been a blessing. It has been just an incredible experience to sit down and talk with you. When we were together almost five years ago, it was probably the last time we've been together and to see you grow from an 11th grader to this incredible man who is listening and making a difference in the world. So just thank you for your time today. Thank you for your ability to overcome. Thank you for your courage to stand up and listen. So thank you, Sherrod, and thank you for being an incredible advocate for Military Child Education Coalition. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.